Santiago. It's Dollar World and it's Dollar Talks. And this episode, we're talking about the blockbusters and how blockbusters have changed over the decades, especially how superhero films have dominated the blockbusters, especially Marvel. And Marvel has chewed up and spat out their rivals. I mean, they have dominated for the last, what, 10, 10 years. Films making billions and billions of billions of dollars, billions of pounds. They have really crushed their rivals. So, okay. Now, Marvel, I'm a big, you know, Marvel fan myself. I love my Marvel films, you know, the Iron Man's you know, the hoax and all that stuff, but Marvel were never this dominant before. They were never this dominant. It took a time for them to kind of, you know, get their foot in the door and now, you know, they fucking own the fucking house, all right? So superhero films have been around for not for too long. They've been around since, what, the 70s? And, you know, they want these big blockbuster films as they were once, as they are now got me thinking like when did that trend happen when was when the superheroes start becoming the dominant force of um you know of cinema to the point that critics have said that how superhero films have kind of changed the way you know people watch films nowadays because you've got a lot of studio companies like you know trying to get the next superhero trying to buy all these comic book characters and and put them out and make films about that, you know? And it's kind of changed the way, you know, uh, films are kind of basically marketed because now it ain't loud and brash and ain't a superhero flying around and, and fighting a spaceship in orbit, maybe no one wants to watch it, you know? Maybe no one wants to watch that no more. Because when I was growing up, I remember films like A Few Good Men starring Jack Nicholson and a guy who loves to run in every film, Mr. Mr. Tom Cruise. That film made about, say, 200 million, but it was a critical and commercial success. And it kind of, it made the top 10 films of that year. I think it came out in 1993. So now I was thinking, could a film like A Few Good Men break the top 10 of most watched films of a year? I'm saying no, because now, again, if you ain't aliens fighting Godzilla, I don't think people want to watch that. So, you know, I don't think people want to watch that. So I got got me thinking, when did that change occur? Why is it happening? Why are people like us, us nerds, um, making this happen? But first, before I even go into that, before I even dive in, before I dive in into the, into this, into the waters of this podcast, (laughs) I want to talk about blockbusters and what is a blockbuster. So, blockbuster is a film that makes money. That's it. If it makes money, if it makes a lot of, to like, makes a lot of money. So, it has to make about a hundred in in the olden days in the olden days of films well I would say probably from the 80s for my inflation and that but a film like a blockbuster would have to gross like a hundred million 200 million that's a blockbuster that's like wow that's made a lot of money because most films didn't make a hundred million those times 
because they were because the, the difference the producer film was far less than they produce now. So to make a hundred million in a cinema, boom, that's a blockbuster hit. Bang, you're gone. You know, so that is a blockbuster. And the first blockbuster ever made, ever made, was a film called Birth of a Nation, which came out 1915, okay? Birth of a Nation. And it was like a white supremacist wet dream. I mean, you've got like, it's set in the South, Abraham Lincoln is, is assassinated, and you've got black people portrayed as rapists, savages, just raping, eating chicken, watermelon, break dancing, and just doing utter craziness in that film. And literally, that film saw a rise in KKK applicants. That's how popular that film was. That film was so goddamn popular. It was goddamn racist, but it was goddamn popular. And for like 25 years, that film was number one in the world of the most watched film in the world at that time. 25 years, can you imagine that? 25 years, and what came after that to dethrone Birth of a Nation was another racist epic, which was called Gone in the Wind. In fact, it was so racist they made the black people happy just to be in the film. I mean, so happy, in fact, that one of them won an Oscar. Yes, one of them who played Mammy. Her name was Mammy. I don't know the, I don't know the actress's name, but she played Mammy, which was like some kind of house servant for the white, um, I don't know, white person, woman. It was a big house, so I have not seen the film properly. I know a bit about the film, so. If you ever watched Gone in the Wind or heard of the film, look Google Gone in the Wind. But basically, Gone in the Wind is set in the South, I think after the Civil War, and you've got all these like ex slaves literally just happy to be there. They're happy to, to serve their white um, uh, masters, they're happy, got a smile on their faces. And this woman called Mammy, she won an Oscar. Here's the thing it was so racist. Race segregation was still um, present at the time. She could not even watch the film. She couldn't go to the premiere of the film of Gone with the Wind because it was segregated. But she won an Oscar. I don't think she was allowed in the Oscars to get the flipping award. But anyway, I am digressing. But yeah, so the second most highest grossing film of all time. And actually, if you adjust um, Gone with the Wind by in, in inflation, yeah. That film is still the highest grossing film of all time, yeah, by inflation. That's how popular that racist epic was for um, in the world. But anyway, Gone the Wind, kind of, yeah, so that is a blockbuster. Let's give you some history, some feedback. So what we're talking about, superheroes. Now, how did we now, superheroes, we more, you know, superhero films normally come out in the summer, don't they? Summer blockbuster. Summer, summer, for now they, they start summer from earlier now, don't they? From May, don't they? Before when I was growing up, these summer blockbusters started from like maybe June, July, but now and then May, sometimes they flip in April, they started these blockbusters. So the summer slot is so, it's so important for filmmakers to get their film in the summer. It's, you know, they can make money because of blockbuster, but when did that happen? Why was the summer allocated to be a blockbuster? 
but I'll, I'll let you know. I'll tell you right now, fans. All my, all my fans, my hard loving fans there. There was a film called Jaws about a giant shark eating people in water. Just swimming about. There's that famous iconic music. Hell no, I'm in the water. I'm Jaws. And that was the whole film. Some shark eating people in water and some people trying to capture Jaws and protect people from this shark. For whatever reason, that film made money and it changed the way films were marketed in the summer. Before then, there was not, there was no summer blockbuster. Most films in the summer, came out in the summer, were films that the studios didn't think they were money, so they just put them out in the summer, hoping to kind of recoup some money because, you know, you had like people on breaks and summer holidays and stuff like that, so they had more time to go cinema. So, Jaws came out, bang, blew up the whole thing, fam, blew up the whole thing. Made per P, summer blockbuster had arrived. The summer blockbuster had arrived. The next film that kind of cemented the summer blockbuster um, time was Star Wars. Star Wars came out in 1978, 79, and that made some serious amount of money. That made nerds all over the world have just gasms, just like, wow, a film that was made. <laughs> For nerds, I guess now I'm joking, but um, nah, but yeah, but with um, Star Wars, yeah, that blew open the door for fantasy epic fantasy movies where wow, this is set in a different world. You've got law mythologies, you've got lightsabers, you got it was like nothing had ever had, had ever happened like that before, it never occurred where you know, so it made a lot of money. Studios kind of low paying attention to this. Now, at the time, Warner Brothers, who were who are a big studio, owned Superman. They had bought DC sometime earlier. I don't know when, 60s or something. I don't know when they bought DC, but they bought DC and they owned the IP or Superman. So there, so Superman was the first big budget film. Superman DC, not Marvel. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Not Marvel, but DC owned. You hear me? So DC, boom. With Warner Brothers' help, they made Superman a brilliant film. Now, to all my young cats, to all my young listeners out there who've only seen the moody version of the Man of Steel, Superman 1 kind of made Man of Steel. What we know, what I knew of Superman was that positive character who inspires hope. That film really showed and demonstrated that Superman character. And that film made a lot of money and it kind of showed, okay, Superman films, okay. We can do things, you know, you know, things can happen. So now, someone comes out, boom, blows up the door, the 70s. Now, it made had sequels which were not good. I mean, even Richard Pryor could not save uh, Superman 3. Richard Pryor could not save that film. Terrible film. But the ball had been rolling. And in the 80s, DC and Warner Brothers came together and made another film, Batman. Boom, oh no, Batman blew up the thing now. Batman with uh, Michael Keaton, directed by Tim Burton. It had Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. You know, that iconic role, you know, with his big red lips, you know, and his buzzer hand, that whole Joker, wicked. Second film came out in the night, Batman Returns, killed the game. Boom, DC are killing the game now. 
80s is DC. No other superhero film is making money. Now, where's Marvel? Where's Marvel in all of this in this thing? Well, Marvel tried a thing. Marvel, they um, had um, Fantastic Four and they had Captain America. So one of the first films was Captain America, the film. So bad, literally so bad. The person who plays Captain America, I haven't seen him since. I don't know where he is. Probably hiding from making that film. Um, second film they came out was Fantastic Four. A film again, so bad, so terrible. The public have not seen it because maybe the eyes will melt. Who knows? Terrible film. So Marvel, they came in the door and they fell. They tried to do a flipping. They tried to do a three-point throw, bricked it. Bang! Brick, brick, brick. They bricked it. Didn't make the playoffs. They're out. Gone. So Marvel tried it. Gone. DC is still killing the game. The 90s is all DC. Bam! Batman Forever comes out. Okay, not a great film. Had Jim Carrey in the film. He had Tom Lee Jones. Jim Carrey played the Riddler in some skinny green spandex suits with question marks all over him. You had Tom Lee Jones playing Two-Face. That's a crazy, bombastic character. It was not a great film. I am not gonna lie, it was not a great film to, um, to watch. But it was better than the dumpster piece of garbage cat trap piece of shit dog doo doo cow feces skunk poo that was batman and robin batman and robin the one the worst one of the worst superhero films or one of the worst films ever made who thought it was a good idea to make arnold schwarzenegger dress up in a giant ice costume and a say ice puns literally he's walking around saying the most cringiest ice puns I've ever heard in in a film, ever heard. And that film nearly destroyed, nearly killed, literally nearly killed the whole superhero genre. I mean, killed, nearly killed it. That's how bad that film was. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible film. But something came out of the shadows that helped, that helped the superhero film that gave it new life. And that film was Blade. Came out in 1998. Blade! Marvel came back in again. Came back to swing. And this time they hit a home run. Blade was amazing. Remember that film as a kid. For the first time, I'm not watching that film on pirate video. Now, for my young kiddies, kiddos, pirate video was basically, it was like, a video, I don't know if you know what a video cassette, it was a video cassette that someone would go to the cinema with a whole, I don't know how they did this, but with a video recorder and record a film in the cinema and produce video cassettes and we, we would watch it. So we watched this Blade film, I remember watching it with my friend's house, we were like 12 years old and it was 18. And in the first scene, there's a, there's a, there's a dance hall scene, there's a club and all these vampires are dancing and, and, and there's like blood coming down from the ceiling and they're kissing each other. I'm 12 years old thinking, what the fuck is going on? Then Blake comes in to dance the club and he starts chopping these motherfuckers up, pow, 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 doing his blade thing. And I'm like, wow, this is fucking amazing. Loving this shit. Wow, wow. Sammy on board. And that was Marvel's real first film 
and a, a different change to where superheroes were normally done because before that Superman was quite you know it was a PG film even Batman it was dark it was a PG film the whole family could go, go and watch Batman and obviously they kind of doubled down with Batman Forever and Batman, Batman and Robin but with Blade now that was the 18 straight they're not fucking about they made they took elements from the comic book and they twisted it for the um, for the film which was good and that's a, a, a key theme I think which makes um, comic book films good because with Superman as well Superman it was a film but they took elements from the comic books so with Batman they took elements from the from the comic books and they twisted it from for for the film which is I feel it does have a balance gives the film a balance you know some substance we will talk about this later on in this podcast and future podcasts about taking things from the comic books but adapting them for the film because you know what it gives fucking film balance but anyway anywho so blade came out killed the whole game bam okay now in 1999 matrix came out now matrix it's not your typical whole typical superhero film okay but it changed the way it kind of reinvented the superhero genre you know with neo and you know the special effects the bullet time um how things you know how what is a hero what 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 and what can you do with action scenes and, and everything it just kind of changed the way you know people just saw action in general it was one of the most groundbreaking film even to this day is a groundbreaking film I, I don't know all you young kitty cats or anyone you've not seen the matrix go and watch the matrix one not two and three that's garbage but one matrix one really really a good film so kind of that kind of reinvented the whole the whole superhero genre gave new life to it new life to what what can be done in film so next up to the bat now next film was X-Man or the X-Men now I have to go back a bit go back a bit get some more context for the X-Men films so Marvel in the early 90s um, they were getting bankrupt there was a period where comic books were like blowing up everyone was buying comic books thinking they'll be rich everyone was buying these comic books thinking they were rich which caused comic book companies to produce a lot of comic books and they and it was a boom there was a boom and there was a bust and when the bust happened a lot of comic books companies couldn't handle the bust dc were owned by warner brothers so they can handle a bit more than um than marvel which were owned by well no one they owned by themselves and they owned a lot of money i mean they were in serious serious debt so what they did was sell off their most iconic ip they saw they sold off iron man to um, Universal and Hulk bought um, Universal bought Hulk as well. They sold off. They sold Spider-Man to Sony and Fox. They Fox bought Fantastic Four. They bought Daredevil and they bought X-Men. Okay. So in 1990, it was 2000. I can't remember now. But anyway, X-Men came out and blew up the things. X-Men came out and kind of again took a grittier version of the X-Men because I watched the cartoons and those cartoons were excellente 
they were excellent taste. Seriously, those X-Men cartoons in the 90s and the Spider-Man cartoons were very, very good. Very um, submersive, really. They were like dramas. And I, I remember the kids being hooked to these every week. I couldn't wait to see, you know, what was going on. Like, oh my God, what's going on with X-Men? What's going on with Spider-Man? But those cartoons were very, very good. So what? So when I remember when I was a kid and I heard there was an X-Men cartoon coming back, coming about to be um, made, I was like, wow, I can't believe this. I, I had to, I had to watch this. And again, I watched this on a pirate video in my friend's house. Remember? So anyway. X-Men was a really good film. It wasn't it was a good film. It wasn't, you know, how I expected it to be from the cartoons, but it was a good film. And it made Hugh Jackman a fucking star. And he had like Ian McKellen as Magneto and Patrick Stewart as Professor X. I mean, two great actors. I mean, these actors have been on the theatre in London and you know, they've got a prestige and that legitimized Super Bowl films because before then you didn't get these kind of big boy actors in these films, you know. Mm-mm. But they killed it, they killed it as those roles. And that film where it spawned X-Men 2 and that famous Nightcrawler scene, Nightcrawler scene in the, in the White House, bah, bah, bah. That film made money, it had a 70 million budget and made 200 million in the box office. A lot of money, but not the crazy amounts we, we know today, you know? Not the crazy amounts we know today, but what really set the standard for a modern block Buster was Spider-Man 1. Spider-Man 1 was, yeah, that made 800 million. That was the number top three films in the world at the time in 2002. I mean, it blew up. It was amazing and the special effects as well. I mean, beforehand, I remember as a kid, there used to be a Spider-Man TV show from the 70s. I used to watch it on, I used to watch it on TV. And this guy, and it looked, everything looked fake. It looked real. I remember this is bullshit. I, I, I never thought they would make a Spider-Man film like see him swing. I, I didn't think he'd be swinging. I didn't. I didn't think that at all. I didn't think he'd be doing half the things he was doing in the film. And they did that film really good. I mean, to this day, this film holds up very well. So Spider-Man came out, and that opened the door to a lot of films. I'm not gonna lie, a lot of films came out around that period. Was uh, was shit. It was not good. But as a person who's never experienced this kind of superhero influx, I ate that shit up. I was like, Oliver Twist, please, sir, can I have some more? Nom, nom, nom. I'm eating my gruel. Taste, the gruel tastes nice. Tastes beautiful. But anyway, films come out, a lot of films come out, like Leader of Shorty Gentlemen came out, the Spider-Man sequels that came out, you know, not a lot of really good films, but what then, but what came out really changed was Batman Begins. Came out in 2003. Batman Begins came comes out and kind of nah, it didn't come out in 2003. It came out a bit later than that. I need to um <laughs> fact check, but it came out 2000 and something, okay. And that film came out and kind of you know really took superheroes as a, into a realistic world where X Men was kind of real. It took elements of reality where, oh, I can relate to that, but it was still a comic book film. You, you know, guys got claws, guys are fucking got lasers at the eyes. That's a fucking film. But Batman Begins was like, well, this could happen in real life. Everything was set up in real life. And that film was directed by the great man, Christopher Nolan, who will have so much influence going forward and how superhero films were being made at the time. So Batman comes out, blows the game up, 
boom. A lot of films are coming out. Marvel, they went in a time, and in 2008, in 2008, they make their first film, which was Iron Man 1. Pow, pow. Iron Man 1 comes out and makes them 500 million. Okay? No one thought this film would make any money. It was a risk to make this film. This is Marvel's first ever studio production. You know, in the past, they've tried, they flopped, you know, they were bankrupt, but they saw there was a, a sea of change. Superhero films are getting more and more and more popular. They've sold all their best IPs. Spider-Man came out, 800 million. Marvel not owned Spider-Man. Fantasy IV came out, made that much money, didn't make that much money, it was shit from anyway. But Marvel never owned Fantastic Four, you know? Um, X-Men comes out again. Marvel never owned those films, it was Fox. This is Marvel's first film now, Iron Man, and it makes money, 500 million. And that was the start of phase motherfucking one, all right? Phase one. And in the next podcast, I'll be talking about phase one and all the films that came around in phase one. Hope to see you there. And peace!